I don't think you were truthful with me. Let me try that again. How many of you have ever really want to know God's will and it was hard to find? All right. Isn't that true? And uh, so when you run against something difficult like knowing God's will, you can bet the Bible is going to tell you something about how to know God's will, really a lot on how to know God's will. And in Romans 12, 1 through 2, um, we take a route that we would probably not think of on our own. How to know God's will. How can I discern God's will? And so I want to read to you out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. And let's read it together because we all know these verses. You've been saved over a month. You know Romans 12, 1 and 2. So let's read it out loud together. Are you ready? 1, 2, 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Isn't that a great passage? Amen. Father, we just thank you today for helping us to discern God's will. And Lord, I pray that the light of your word will shine today in a mighty way. I pray that you will illuminate our spirits, that Lord, you will open our understanding, that we would discern God's will in our life. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Now, would you just breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me today. In Jesus' name, I receive the word of God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you're going to know the will of God. Amen. You're going to know the will of God. Now, last time, we, we began a two-week series, a little brief two-week series, on knowing the will of God. Now, I said the word know, but a better word is prove, because the Bible says that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, the word prove is real important. The word prove means discern. So what he's really saying is that you may discern, that you may distinguish between several options. Now, my experience has been that when I want to know the will of God, I usually have several options in front of me, and it's sort of like, well, the real will of God, please stand up. And I have to distinguish between options. And it takes discernment. This can have to do with a person. It can have to do with a place. It can have to do with a thing. It might be a job. might be a relationship. Where I should live. A direction I should go. Life is full of decisions. And in all of them, small and great, we want to know God's will. We want to walk in God's will. So he's telling us here how to get to the place where our spiritual senses are sharpened. And we're able to look at options and say, you know what, that looks like God to me. I discern that that is God. God's hand is on that. God's hand is in that. And these other things, I don't sense God on that. My spiritual senses have been sharpened, accentuated, made stronger. So how do you do it? He says, you're never going to know God's will unless you do two things. It's going to be very difficult for you to cut through it all and know God's will unless you do these two things. You must fully surrender your life to Him. 
full surrender, as we sing all the time, I surrender all. And we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So surrendered, transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now we saw last time that our bodies are no longer our own. Paul lets us know, hey, by the Spirit of God, let me tell you, you've been purchased with a price, with divine currency, the currency of the blood of Jesus purchased you, so you are no longer your own. So guess what, folks? We have lost all our rights. Now you tell, uh, let me go preach that on ABC, CBS, and NBC. Because aren't we in America all about my rights? I got my rights. I want my rights. But guess what? When you come to the Lord, He owns you. And He owns me. And He has purchased us with His blood, and therefore we don't have any rights. The only right we have is to serve the Lord. So our bodies are no longer our own. No longer our own to do with what we want. We've been bought with a price. He owns us, He is Lord. And if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And we talked about the word sanctification because guess what? Surrender precedes sanctification. Sanctification means set aside for special use. So as soon as we become his, he says, okay, I own you now, and here's what I'm doing. I'm setting you aside for special use. For the glory of my kingdom, for my purposes, I'm setting you aside. Now, I told you last week, you are God's China. Special, set aside for the work and purpose of the kingdom of God. So we are surrendered and then sanctified. Sanctified body, soul, and spirit. He owns us and we're set aside. We're sanctified. The Bible says, come apart from them. Come apart from them and be ye separate, says the Lord. That's sanctification. Now, I also shared with you a statement. And here's the statement. I want you to say it with me. You will never be what you ought to be till you do what you ought to do. So we all want to be like Jesus. We all want to walk in his purposes. We all want to count for God. We, we have dreams. We have aspirations. There's things we want to reach in him, levels we want to climb to. But he says, you're never going to be what you really want to be until you do what you ought to do. Now, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is telling us what we ought to do to be what we want to be. Total surrender, sanctification, and then transformation by the renewing of our minds. Now, let's talk about the renewing of the mind today. He says, here's the second key. The second key is be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, conform, we all know what conform means. We talk about being nonconformist or somebody conforming to this, that, or the other. Conforming means that we are fitted or we allow ourselves to be poured into a mold. One version puts it, don't be squeezed into the mold of this world. 
So that's the conformity he's talking about. Listen to the New Living Translation. I like this. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Did you catch that? How are we transformed? By changing the way we think. Doesn't the Bible say, as a man thinks in his heart, so will he be? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Because as you think, you will do. You do according to how you think. So he says, I don't want you to be conformed to the thinking of this world. I don't want you to have the attitudes of this world. I don't want you to see people the way this world sees people. I want you to have your mind renewed. I want your thinking renewed. I want the old way of thinking erased with a, and replaced with a new way of thinking. And that is how we're transformed. You remember, we all know this verse. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, we've always heard it taught this way. Well, when you get saved and you know the truth and you are therefore instantly set free. And you know what? That's true to a point. But here's the deal. Salvation is immediate. It's instantaneous. But sanctification is a process that is lifelong. So let me put it to you another way. You shall know the truth and continue ongoingly to know more and more truth. And that more and more truth will ongoingly set you more and more free. And the truth comes from this book right here. I'm holding in my book, God's Thoughts. This book is full of the thoughts of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is breathed out by God. It comes from God. And so when you read these passages, read these words, read these thoughts, then the Bible talks about it being the washing of water by the word. The word of God is like totally pure, pristine clear water with industrial strength, supernatural soap. And your mind, your thinking is washed by the water of the Word of God. Every time you read it, you're being scrubbed on the inside of your mind. That's what the Bible wants us to see. So it says, for that to happen, you're going to have to totally dedicate yourself to the Lord, come apart to Him, and come out of the world shun being conformed to this world because this world will lead you away from God. Have you ever noticed this world, if you go with its, its thoughts and its ways and its attitudes, they lead you away from God. Listen to what John wrote about the world. And when I talk about the world, please understand, I'm not talking about God's beautiful creation. I love God's creation. I look at what God made and I praise Him all the time. I see the hand of God on everything all around me. This has all been created by Him. He's not saying shun that. Here's what He's talking about. John says in 1 John 2, 15, Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love these things, you show that you do not really love God. Wow. He goes on. For all these worldly things, here's what we're talking about. The world system, here's what it's made up of. For all these worldly things, these evil desires, the craze for sex, 
the ambition to buy everything that appeals to you, and the pride that comes from wealth and importance, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. These things are not from God, but they are from the world. And he says, this world is fading away, and these evil forbidden things are going to go with it. But whoever does the will of God will abide forever. So there you've got it. He says, I want you to, to not be conformed to the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, the ways of this world, thinking of this world, attitudes of this world. I want you instead to have your mind renewed. The truth is that, and we all feel it, every single day we're pressured to agree with the world's conclusions, aren't we? Follow the world's lead in fashion, in behavior, in philosophy. Think like us. View things like us. Do like us. Walk like us. Talk like us. It's constant pressure. And you know what? That pressure is also fear-driven. We're afraid that if we don't go along with the crowd, that we're going to be rejected, we're going to be ridiculed, we're going to be unpopular, and God forbid that we would be unpopular. So, Pastor Jeff, I, I want to love the Lord and be popular at the same time. Rots a ruck. It's not going to happen. Well, how come? Here's the promise. You may not want to lay claim to this promise, but it's a promise. He that lives godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So if you decide to walk with the Lord, there's going to be certain sets of people, certain people who are not going to be blessed because you're walking with God. And you won't be popular. But here's what I want to tell you today. Don't worry about that. I'd rather have the smile of God and the frown of man than the, than the smile of man and the frown of God. How about you? Isn't that true? Besides, all the people you want to be popular with, hey, they're not going to remember you next year. So why not try to put a smile on God's face and please the Lord instead of man? The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare to your soul. And it snares your soul because if you're afraid of what men think, then you're not going to please God. But I want to rather fear what God thinks and not please men. Somebody said most people forfeit three-quarters of who they really are just to be like other people. Conforming. The pressure to conform is so very, very strong. Remember when you were a kid in school, how strong it was? You wanted to dress like everybody, walk like everybody, talk like everybody, think like everybody, go where everybody else went. And now where are all those people? They're all gone. When you see them 15, 20 years later, the ones that were in school with you, you don't even recognize them. They tell you who they are. You, oh, hey. And you are worried about their opinion? The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. I want you to listen to a really powerful statement in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. Listen to what Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is God talking to us. Now, now listen to what he says. This is powerful. He says, Jesus gave himself up to atone for our sins and to save and sanctify us in order to rescue and deliver us from this present wicked age and world order in accordance with the will and purpose and plan of our God and Father. Do you know what that's saying? This is not talking about Jesus dying so we can go to heaven, although he did. It's talking about Jesus came 
to rescue us from being corrupted by this current wicked culture. He came to rescue us from being seduced into and corrupted by this current wicked culture that revolves around the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Wow. So Jesus is going to get us to heaven one day, but here's his message to us. You are in the world, but I don't want you to be of the world. You live in it, but I don't want you to love it, the, the wicked world system. I want you to love me, take your stand, and walk with me, be sanctified and set apart to me, and get your mind renewed by the washing of water by the word so you can discern my will. Amen. Now, I love the verse in Romans that says, God made the things we can see to teach us about things we cannot See, So God, when, when God made everything, he said, let me make this and this and this and this, and it will, it will be a message. It will bring a message. It will bring an illustration to human beings. And do you know that there is a spider called the diving bell spider that knows how to live underwater? Now, I personally believe that God knew that this little spider was going to teach us something, so he created the diving bell spider. This diving bell spider lives underwater. You know how he does it? He does this by carrying with himself his own air pocket. So that while he's under the water, guess what? Watch this. He's never touched by the water, and he can also breathe. So he's surrounded by something that doesn't touch him, and he can survive in a toxic atmosphere that something that's supposed to live on land should never be able to live in. He ingeniously carries with himself his own atmosphere. Well, Pastor, where are you going with this? Oh, I think it's an illustration of what the Christian's called to do. We are in the world, yet we don't have to be an, uh, submerged in the world's thinking and ways. Let me put it another way. We're to carry with us our own atmosphere. We're to carry with us our own atmosphere our own air pocket filled with the presence and the thinking of the kingdom of God. So every morning, you know what I do? I, I do like the diving bell spider. I get into this word of God and I fill my spirit with the word of God. I worship the Lord and I pray. And I wait until I am filled with the Holy Spirit and I am surrounded by heaven's atmosphere. And I find that when I am surrounded by heaven's atmosphere, then when I go out the front door and I face the world, the flesh, and the devil, I'm in it but not of it. I am not affected by the toxic atmosphere because I have brought with me my own atmosphere, and that is the fullness of the Spirit and the presence of the kingdom of God. See, we're supposed to go out there and say, you know what, I'm in it, but it's not affecting me, it's not corrupting me. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to love the orphans and the widows and their affliction, James wrote, and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. And how do you keep yourself unspotted from the world? By filling, getting filled with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God so that now you've got an atmosphere around you and the world doesn't get in. So thank God for the diving bell spider. So he says, rather than being conformed, 
Letting the world shape you and mold you and make you, rather than taking on the world's attitudes and thoughts and worldview, he said, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. Everybody say transformed. Now, transform comes from a Greek word. Here it is, metamorphuo. Now, what do you think we get from metamorphuo? Metamorphosis. You heard about metamorphosis in science class. And we were told about the caterpillar. And a little caterpillar going from leaf to leaf. All the caterpillar does is live to eat and eat to live. He just goes from leaf to leaf. Eating. But then he comes to a point in his life that he spins around himself a cocoon. And in that cocoon, the caterpillar becomes liquid. And then after a period of time, a miracle happens. And that former caterpillar emerges from that cocoon in the form of a beautiful, colorful, airborne butterfly. He went from crawling, eating to live, and living to eat caterpillar to a beautiful, colorful, airborne butterfly. That's called metamorphosis. And that's the word he uses when he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's talking about something radical here. We are to be one, go from one thing to entirely a different thing. And what is that different thing? It is the character and the person and the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. We were caterpillars living to eat and eating to live. But then we met Jesus, and Jesus began to change us. And now we are in the process of metamorphosis, being changed literally from one thing into something completely and totally different. The Bible says, therefore, if any person is in Jesus Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. He says, the old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away, behold, the fresh and the new has come. And that's talking about you, and that's talking about me. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for salvation. Now, the renewing of the mind, let me tell you why it's necessary. When we're saved, we experience what Jesus called being born again. He said, you must be born again. If you're not born again, you're never going to see the kingdom of God. So when you are born again, your soul that was dead is suddenly made alive by Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you. You are born from above. Born once you're lost, born twice you're saved. Born once you're blind, born twice you see. Born once you're dead, born twice you're alive. Jesus said you must be born again. And so when we're born again, our souls are instantly made alive, instantly transformed. We experience a miracle, the born-again experience. So becoming a Christian is not turning over a new leaf. It's not rehab. It's not a New Year's resolution. It is you come into contact with a real living God, and by His Spirit, that God transforms you on the inside. It is not rehabilitation, it's transformation. 
But having been transformed by the new birth, guess what? We still have the need for continual transformation to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Because salvation is instantaneous, but sanctification and spiritual growth is a process that takes a lifetime. And Paul says the key to this ongoing transformation is the renewal of your mind. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You will ongoingly know more and more truth, and more and more truth will make you more and more free. We are transformed by what we know, particularly about God. Here's why we need to have our minds renewed, because we got a mind problem. Now, I'm not telling you you're mentally ill. Look up at me and not your spouse. But we have a mind problem. You say, I don't have a mind problem, Pastor Jeff. Yes, you do. You do have a mind problem. See, the problem with our minds is they are fallen. Our minds were fallen. Our wills fell. Our emotions fell. Our intellectual thought processes fell. And so though our spirits are being, are born again following our conversion, our minds are still filled with stinking thinking. Anybody in here still has some stinking thinking? Raise your hand. Come on. And you know what? That stinking thinking affects the way you behave, affects the way you respond to things. It affects the way you see people, the way you see God. Uh, Stinking thinking can take your joy away. You know, we need to get rid of stinking thinking and get righteous thinking. And the only way to get rid of stinking thinking and and get righteous thinking is by spending time in the righteous book. Spending time in the book that is filled with God's thoughts. Finding, uh, spending time in the Word of God. I want you to let, listen to the Bible. Describe your mind and mine before we were saved. Ephesians 4.17 says, Now this I say, and I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their hearts. Now, there you have it. Look at this. Our thinking before we were saved was futile. That means our thinking got us nowhere. It's the picture of a hamster's wheel. He's on that hamster's wheel. He's going in circles, but he's getting nowhere. Thinking from a fallen mind gets you nowhere. It does not carry you to God. So he says our thinking was futile, our understanding was darkened, our spirits were alienated, and we were ignorant about God and life. And that's the way we were in our minds. So prior to our salvation, our minds were programmed to be this way, self-centered. It's all about me. Don't care about anybody else. I want mine when I want it, how I want it. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I'm self-focused, fleshly, and misguided. We thought we were making good decisions, but the Bible says there is a way that seems right to the fallen mind, but the end of it leads to death. It looked right. It seemed right. The way we wanted to live felt right, but the Bible says it led us astray. It led us away from God. Our wrong thinking led us away. So even though our souls are saved, our minds need to be renewed. And as they are renewed, we are transformed into a beautiful butterfly, that butterfly being the character of Jesus Christ. Love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. All those words, the fruit of the Spirit, is a description of the character of Jesus Christ. So as our minds are renewed, we're transformed. Day by day by day by day, we are transformed. Look what he says in Colossians 3 verse 10. And you have clothed yourselves with the new spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded. Did you catch that? What's happening with you and I every day? We are being renewed and we are being remolded. We are being transformed into the image of Christ every single day. And how's that happen? He says, through more perfect knowledge of him who created it. Praise God. Say, Pastor, I want to be renewed. I want to be transformed. All right? Then you need a greater knowledge of God. How do we get a knowledge of God? This book tells us about God. Everything we need to know about the Lord. When I open it up in the morning, I feel like I've opened up a treasure chest. I'm excited. I can't wait to get into it. That's where I'm at right now. I love it. It's like here's silver, here's gold, here's diamonds, here's rubies. It's like a treasure chest. And I read it, and it tells me about God, his love, his character, his ways, what pleases him, what doesn't, what brings blessing, what won't, how he answers prayer, how he doesn't, his ways. I learn about him. And as I take in the word of God, my brain, the old ways of thinking are replaced. Erased with new ways of thinking, replacing them. My old thoughts, my old thought patterns are erased. You know, when I came to the Lord, uh, I had been in drugs. And this is way back in my teenage years. But you know, because I opened that door to drugs, I fell prey to fears. Irrational, tormenting fears. And when I yielded to the ministry, when I yielded to the ministry, these fears attacked me. And, I, and, and every day I was paralyzed with this fear. And I've told you this before. But I'm going to share a verse with you that changed my life. Because you've got to understand, I couldn't progress because of the stinking thinking that was happening up here. See, I had a stronghold. You know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is whatever holds you strong. A stronghold. You can be saved and have a stronghold. A stronghold is a thought pattern in your mind. The, the, Greek, uh, the Greek New Testament calls it a castle in the mind. It's like a castle that is built in your mind. And inside that castle, there is always a lie. Every stronghold exists in your life and mind through a lie. Something we believe way back there, and we haven't been able to shake it. I'm talking about habits you can't get rid of. I'm talking about thought patterns you wish that you could, get, you, could, you could shed, but you can't. I'm talking about areas you keep falling, you keep stumbling. And you say, oh, God, I, I repent. And you've repented 2,000 times. And, and, and sometimes we need to realize we're dealing with a stronghold. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Bringing into captivity every imagination and thought to the obedience of Christ. And see, I had a stronghold. There were things in my mind, beliefs, that were lies that opened the door 
to me being tormented with this fear. So one day the Lord gave me this verse, and I want you to remember this verse. It's very short, Psalms 19.7. The word of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Can we say that together? The word of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The word of the Lord right here. You're holding it in your hand. This word is perfect. Now what's the soul? The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The word of the Lord isn't just kind of good, isn't 90% effective. The word of the Lord is perfecto, perfect, in restoring your mind and your will and your emotions to its original condition. That's right. Your soul and your soul is the center of your thinking. So reading God's Word is perfect in its ability to renew your thinking. So when I read that, I began to memorize large portions of the Word of God. I began to devour, inhale, just day after day. I bombarded my thinking, my mind, with the Word of God. And one day I woke up and realized there was no more fear. Because the Word of God like a mighty wrecking ball, had slammed into the side of that castle in my mind and unseated the lie that caused that fear to be alive in my mind, and I got set free. Some of you have habits, and you have said, well, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. That won't do it. You've got a stronghold, and that stronghold needs to be bombarded by the Word of God. And the Word of God is the weapon that is not carnal, but it's mighty through God to the pulling down of those strongholds. Is anybody here today? Come on, church. When you get into this Bible, when you saturate your mind with it, it restores our mind from sickness to health, from death to life from darkness to light, from sorrow to joy, from wrong to right. This erases and replaces old ways of thinking with new ways of thinking. And as it renews our mind, we are transformed, metamorphosized into the image of Jesus Christ. Woo! Don't tell me Christianity is just for heaven. This is where we live. Remember, you're never going to be what you ought to be until you do what you ought to do. We're going to have to spend daily time. We must spend daily time in the Word. Show me a Christian that never spends time in the Word. I'll show you a Christian that's defeated, that is confused, that is weak and open to deception. Show me a person that spends every day in the Word of God, and I'll show you a Christian. Let me just quote it for you. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His fruit will come forth when it's supposed to. His leaf will not wither. And whatever he does will prosper. Now if that doesn't make you motivated to get into the word of God... I don't know what does. So watch this now. I'm going to tell you how to read it, and then I'm going to close. So, Pastor, I'll read it. I don't get anything out of it. You know why you don't get anything out of it? Because you don't read it enough. Because the more you read the Word, the more you'll want to. 
The less you read the Word, the less you'll want to. So if you're not feeling it at first, read it anyway, because you're opening the book that is the very Word of God. It is God-breathed. When I open up this book, it's like a light shines in my face. There's no book like this book, the Holy Bible. Not anything on earth is like this book. Thank God for the Word of God and the God who gave us the Word. So when you open this book, you say, how do I read it? I want you to say this with me. I read it wide and read it deep. Let's try it again. Read it wide and read it deep. Here's how you do it. Read it wide. That means don't just have a few pet verses and that's all you ever read. If those verses could talk, they would say, you've been to me so many times, why don't you see what else God said? Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Okay? So read it wide. So here's what I suggest. Read a whole book. Read books. Don't just read little pet verses. Read books. So let's say you start with the book of John. Read it wide. Read one chapter a day. And then the next day you pick up right where you left off. Read chapter one, next day two, next day three, and read the whole thing. Paul told the Ephesian elders, he said, I failed not to teach you the whole counsel of God. So you, you, you don't need a few thoughts here and there. You need the whole warp and woof, the whole message of the Bible, God's plan of salvation, His plan for Messiah, His plan for the church, His plan for eternity, His plan for the world. You want the whole story, not bits and pieces. I've written several books. If you came to me and said, well, Pastor, I read one quarter of chapter 10. It was great. As an author, I would be offended. Oh, the rest of it you don't like? The rest of it? And what does God think? We say, well, you know, God, I thank you that it's really your word, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. No, read it wide. And then when you finish John, keep going. Go into Acts. Go into Romans. Go Read the whole book so that you get the whole picture. Read it wide. And then read it deep. You read it deep by personalizing it. For God so loved the world. I'm going to personalize it. God so loved the world. Oh, he didn't just love it. He so loved it. That he gave his only begotten son. Oh, it wasn't just any son or one of several, but only son. That whoever, well, I'm part of whoever, believes on him. Oh, it's not about works. It's about belief. It's about faith. Whoever believes on him would not perish. Oh, until I believe on him. I'm perishing, but would have everlasting life. Not just life here and now, but life that never ends. And milk that verse. Read it deep. And then get your pen out. If your Bible is so holy you can't write in it, get another Bible that's not so holy. Mark it up. And, 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 and get your pen. And here's what you do. You go, all right, well, in reading this chapter, this verse just jumped out at me and grabbed me by the throat. So I'm going to write down what it said to me and then date it. Why would I date it? Because I do this. I open my Bible, this Bible. It's so marked up, I had to get a new one because there are certain chapters that are so marked up I couldn't find anything. But in here... It's, it's, it's all dates. So I can look and I can say, oh, on this date, God said this to me about that. And I read it wide and I read it deep. I read it and I seed it. 
The one who delights in the Lord, in, in the word of the Lord, in the law of the Lord, reads it. But the one who meditates day and night is seeding it. You're planting it. It's becoming a part of your infrastructure, your interior life. And that's when it transforms you. So can we stand together? And I want you to say with me, read it wide and read it deep. Read it and seed it. And you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to ask us just to lift our hands up towards the Lord Jesus, can we? And I want you to say with me, Lord, I set my face to spend time in your word. To surround myself with that heavenly atmosphere that this toxic world will not corrupt me. But I will remain unspotted from this world. Help me to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Transformed. Metamorphosized. Thank you, Father. Now with our heads bowed, I want to ask two quick questions. If you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I walked with God very closely, but that world you talked about got its claws in me. Before I knew it, I had drifted. I had drifted. And God's been pricking my heart to come home to fully surrender. And I want to do that because I want to know His will. Or maybe you've never in your life said, Jesus, come into my heart. Maybe you're visiting today. Somebody brought you. And you want to know Jesus. You can do it right now. Now I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer if you're in one of those two categories. So I invite you to pray with me and let's take care of it right now. Say with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me for drifting. I ask you to wash away my sin. I repent of it to you. And I turn to you in full surrender. I just lift your hands to him and say, Lord, I surrender all. Lifted hands are a sign of surrender. It's, it's a sign of surrender. I surrender all. Now, if you need to come to him for the first time, say this with me, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, come into my heart as Savior and Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.